0: Hey, everyone. It's Lee. Before we get to this week's episode, I wanted to jump in here with a real quick, exciting announcement. If you listened to our last episode, episode 166, you know that I interviewed Brody Nicholas, the CEO and founder of Campaign One at a Time, the nonprofit that's working so hard to help kids who are dealing with cancer and other life-threatening illnesses. And I'm excited to announce that we're going to be partnering with campaign one at a time, and in future episodes starting next year, uh, we will be profiling a child uh, each month. In the hopes that if you have the ability to do something to help bring these wishes for these childrens uh, to become a reality, that you can help us do that. But the reason why I wanted to jump in today before starting this episode is to talk about a young lady in Miami who's eight years old and her name is Brianna. And Brianna was diagnosed with stage four Wilms tumor. And if you know my backstory, you know that I'm a childhood cancer survivor. And like Brianna, I also had a Wilms tumor. It's a rare form of pediatric kidney cancer. And like Brianna, uh, Brianna lost her kidney, uh, lost the kidney to this disease, her left kidney, and I also lost my left kidney to Wilms' tumor. Brianna went into remission in 2019, but had a relapse earlier this year. And in addition to the tumor coming back near her heart, she now also has lung cancer, And Brody and his team at Campaign One at a Time are working really hard to raise $5,000 by the end of December to help cover the costs of Brianna's chemotherapy for a year and to fulfill Brianna's dream of becoming a model for a day. If you or someone you know or a business you have a relationship with, uh, particularly if they happen to be located in South Florida, but that's not necessarily required, Okay, if any of, uh, if you or any of these businesses can do anything to help support uh, Brianna in her fight with Wilms Tumor, we really would appreciate it. All you need to do is go to wehavecancershow.com forward slash Brie. that's B-R-I, wehavecancershow.com forward slash Brie. You'll see Brie's story there and uh, a link to uh, help fund this young lady's dream of seeing a long, full life, and becoming a model for a day. Thank you again for your support. Happy New Year to you and your families. Each year, more than 12 million people will hear the same three devastating words. You have cancer. I'm Lee Silverstein, a survivor of pediatric kidney cancer and stage four colon cancer. My amazing wife, Linda, has taught me that we have cancer because every one of us is affected by it in some way. Survivors, family, friends, and medical and support team members, and we all have a story worth telling. Welcome to We Have Cancer. Welcome to episode 167 of We Have Cancer. Thank you so much for joining me. For those who celebrate, I hope you had a wonderful Christmas with those that you love, that you were able to safely be around, which is what I hope and how I hope you handled things. For those who also celebrate, wishing you a happy Kwanzaa. And we're just a few days away from saying happy new year. And I wish that for you and your loved ones that the new year ahead brings you, most importantly, good health happiness and peace my guest this week is jason mendelson jason is a survivor of stage 4 tonsil cancer which he learned that he had contracted through the human papilloma virus otherwise known as hpv been a lot of tv coverage advising you to get your children vaccinated to get into hpv and jason and i do talk extensively about that you can follow him on Instagram and Twitter by his online handle, which is SupermanHPV, both on Instagram and Twitter. And you can learn more about Jason and his story on his website, supermanhpv.com. You'll also get to learn all about the amazing advocacy work that Jason has poured a ton of time and energy into in partnership with a wonderful organization, and that is the Head and Neck Cancer Alliance. So join me now for my conversation with Jason Mendelson. Jason, welcome to the podcast. Thrilled to have you on. Thrilled to have a neighbor on. You're just up the street from me. It's not often I get to talk to people so close by. I've got UK and California and Arizona, but I don't often get folks down the road. So uh, great to connect with you. And who knows, maybe our paths will cross in real life once all this craziness is behind us. Where I want to start is with your moniker. You know, you, you brand yourself as Superman, Superman HPV, which is funny because in all the colon cancer walks I've done, my team has always been known as hmm. Lee's superheroes and we all dress in Batman. So, no offense, I'm a, more of a Batman guy than a Superman guy. But where my, my question lies is, and I'm curious to get your take here, is, you know, that's the go to, Superman, Batman. And super you know, and all those kinds of things, but then, when I take a step back, if someone calls me a hero, like my sister likes to do, you're my hero, or my father says that I cringe, I don't want to be someone's hero, but at the same time, here I am calling you know superheroes. What's your thought on the word hero?
1: No one's ever asked me that question before, so you know what? I don't think of myself as a hero either I am. Um, just to tell you, my my friends called me Superman during chemo and radiation. That's where it comes from. So whenever I speak to anyone, I always say that I don't have a Superman complex or a, I'm not an egomaniac. You know, my parents are my heroes. My wife is my hero. My kids are my heroes. So I don't think of myself as a hero. But I could tell you that the word hero to me, or is just is a word to me that means you know someone you look up to, you admire for their character or the work they've done. So to me, that's what a hero would be. And that's why I name my you know, wife and kids, parents. I don't think of myself though really as a superhero. It just kind of evolved the name Superman HPV I thought would be an interesting way to draw attention to HPV in a manner in which I could then educate people to hopefully then protect more people. For generations to come
0: so that being said tell us as i mentioned before we hit record you're the first guest on the show we're talking you know 100 plus episodes i've not had anybody on you know that has dealt with hpv and the resulting cancer from it tell us educate our audience a little bit about hpv and how you came to be diagnosed
1: so let me start by saying that that I get asked by people all the time why I'm not uncomfortable discussing this. And so I did a little research. HPV is the most common sexually transmitted disease on the planet. Three out of four adults by 30 have it. 62% of freshmen in college. And with my specific cancer, men between 40 and 60 are the most highly diagnosed decades after being exposed. I always have women remind me that women also get diagnosed with this cancer, but which is true, but men are the most highly diagnosed. And again, decades after being exposed. So they believe, and I'll kind of back into the story, but um, my doctors believe that I was probably exposed to HPV through oral sex with a woman when I was in college at around age 18 or 19. And that the virus laid dormant in the crypts of my throat for decades. So exposed at age 18 or 19, and and out of a hundred people get exposed to the virus,
0: 98%
1: of them, their body fights off the virus, they never knew they had it. It's the 2% that decades later could end up with cancer like me. And so what happened to me, the short story is I was we appraise life insurance for a living, which I'm sure is not very exciting to you. But I was taking a financial exam and put my hand on my face to ponder a question and moved my hand down to my neck and felt a small bump. I shave every day, every other day somewhere and never saw the bump before, never felt it. And I went to my father, who's a physician. I said, what's this? He said, let's call the ENT, ear, nose and throat doctor. We did. The doctor said to me, you don't smoke. You don't drink heavily. Come see me in a few weeks. I'm a guy that goes to the doctor. I was there. This was a Thursday. I was there Monday. They said, likely nothing. Let's put you on 10 days of antibiotics and steroids. And the slight chance that it doesn't go away, let's immediately schedule you for a needle biopsy and CAT scan. I didn't even hear the last part. To be honest with you, I had just lost a bunch of weight. I was feeling as healthy as I'd ever felt. And I had no symptoms, just that bump. I literally... Left two days later for the keys with friends, ran the equivalent of a 5K, flew to DC on Sunday, lobbied on Capitol Hill for the life insurance industry, flew home on a Wednesday, Thursday had a CATS, Friday had a needle biopsy, Monday found out I had stage four HPV tonsil cancer. And so do you mind if I keep going a little more? Please. I don't want to talk too much. No, please. (laughs) So literally no symptoms small bump on the neck and i was in shock honestly i had never felt healthier and you know i always tell people you know if you find a bump on your neck go to your ear nose and throat doctor don't wait because i deal with cancer patients all over the world probably two to four a week and many of them take six to 12 months to eventually end up in an ent and other doctors haven't haven't Been able to diagnose this or or recognize it as quickly. So um, that's the short story of finding the bump, being diagnosed, having no symptoms, and then learning about HPV. And again, I don't know if I said it initially, but I'm a survivor, not a doctor. So I don't ever give medical advice. I always tell people go speak to your kid's pediatrician about the HPV vaccine or go see your family practice doctor, your ENT but I can just share from my own experience what happened.
0: Right. And I'm sure you're pleased to see where we are now that there's actually TV ads uh, promoting the HPV vaccine. And I know you've done a lot of advocacy work. We'll get to that in a minute. But uh, I wonder if you had anything to do with that that exposure that we're now seeing and the awareness uh, coming from it.
1: You know, I, I think I've done... My small part, if, however you want to say that, you know, my cancer story has been shared in over hundred countries to date. When I first realized that I could make a difference, I really aggressively pursued, you know, magazines, newspapers, recalling people I, because I, I thought, you know what, had I been given the HPV vaccine when I was a kid, it wasn't around, but had it been around, I would have likely never gotten cancer and people always ask me you know why is it that you didn't just ring the bell august 11 2014 i rang the bell last cancer treatment and people ask why didn't i just move on right just like you have this podcast people always ask me how come you continue to share your story and honestly hopefully this doesn't sound arrogant i'm not arrogant but I think I'm a good person and I try to help people when I can. And if by sharing my story on a podcast like yours, some parent hears the story and because of that, their son or daughter or son and daughter both get the HPV vaccine. And I've saved this boy or girl from getting cancer that is preventable. I feel like I've done my part. So I continue to share my story, hoping Absolutely. hoping that I can save generations of kids, boys and girls, again, not just girls, because people always ask vaccines for boys and girls, from HPV preventable cancers. And so it's probably too long of an answer, but it's my answer.
0: Not at all. No, it's, it's informative and it's helpful. And, and that's, you know that's the whole reason why this podcast exists is if we can help one person, give them some information they didn't have before, or give them some even some hope, right? People here nine and a half years from me, and they're like, I didn't know that was a possibility. So same, same kind of thought process. If we can help one person, mission accomplished, right?
1: I normally don't get the privilege of being able to speak to someone like you who's been going through treatment for such a long period of time. And the point I normally make and I bet you've probably never had anyone ask you a question during a podcast. So if this is inappropriate, tell me
0: not at all. Open, I'm an open book.
1: <laughs> okay. I always tell people because some people hesitate to give their kids this vaccine because they always talk about the sex aspect of HPV rather than this is cancer prevention. And the point I always make is if there was a vaccine that would protect your daughter from breast cancer, everybody would give it to their daughter. If there was a vaccine that would protect their sons from prostate cancer, everybody would give it to their sons. Somehow people have focused on the sex aspect, not the fact that this is protecting their son and daughter from HPV related or cancer, which was a word I had to work on saying, but tongue throat and tonsil cancer. <laughs> and they believe the World Health Organization charged countries to eliminate HPV preventable cancer, such as cervical cancer, leading cause of cervical cancer is HPV, by increasing HPV vaccination rates. And so I guess it would be the same thing if someone said to you, would you give your son or daughter a vaccine that would protect them from colon cancer? Would you give it to them? And I, I, that wasn't gonna be my question for you. If If there was a vaccine that prevented colon cancer, wouldn't you stand at the top of the mountain to tell people about
0: it i put my face on billboards are you kidding absolutely so
1: that's how i felt right? and feel about the hpv vaccine because radiation to the throat is no joy right i had third degree burns in my throat couldn't swallow my saliva woke up gagging and choking like someone was strangling me because the saliva was so thick it covered my breathing way for weeks um, horrible sores in my mouth. It felt like someone cracked a glass bottle and shoved the shards of throat down my, you know, um, into my throat. So, if I can prevent someone from the pain that I went through, isn't it my obligation to do that? And that's why I do what I do.
0: Sure, sure. And, you know, and you know, it, and we've talked about this on this show before. It, it, we've got to find a way to stop putting stigmas to different types of cancers. You know, oh, that's the good cancer, that's the bad cancer. This one's embarrassing, this one is not embarrassing. The sec aspect of HPV, people don't want to talk about colon cancer but everybody poops, right? You know, but that's, you know, that's one of the embarrassing cancers. You know, that's the way breast cancer once was. And here we are today, fast forward, and you see men showing up to, who are either breast cancer survivors themselves, which is a very small population, or they're supporting a loved one and they're wearing pink bras and laughing and having fun with it when that used to be embarrassing. So, you know, I hear you. It's, It's this whole stigma thing. Oh, lung cancer. When did you, you know, how long did you smoke? Well, not everybody who gets lung cancer right. smokes. So this whole blame and, and stigma thing. So you know, I appreciate what you're doing to keep the focus on the right place. And it's to
1: prevent cancer. That's it. You know, I've had women whisper to me, literally whisper. I don't know if you saw on Brighton Beach memoirs where they whisper the word cancer. I think that was the movie years ago. Yeah. Well, well <laughs> I, when I first... A few years ago, I was a fundraiser trying to raise money for patients who needed assistance with transportation to chemo and radiation. And I was being walked around this business and a woman whispers to me, I have HPV. And she whispered it to me, embarrassed. And I said to her, you know, three out of four adults have HPV. You don't need to whisper. And and I just think, I have a lot of people tell me Jason, thank you for sharing your story. I no longer feel alone. And just the fact that people can feel alone, having cancer is hard enough, but to have cancer and feel alone, I think is is a real shame. Like, it seems like it should never happen.
0: No doubt. And th- that's why we're doing this, right? So someone out there will hear something that resonates with them and and realize that they're not the only, only one. Have you found that chemotherapy has caused frequent trips to the restroom, which has left you either in pain or itching or irritated? I know that it's happened to me through my numerous chemotherapy treatments. And I really was at my wits end. I tried some wipes and didn't really like how that made me feel. And then I came upon Lux Bidet. And Lux is spelled L-U-X-E. And it took me all of, I don't know, about 15 minutes to attach this thing to the toilet seat. And once I did, with a turn of a knob, I was able to rinse myself off with a cool jet of water. And it felt so much more comfortable and really relieved a lot of the pain and the itching you know, from all of the wiping. I encourage you to check out Lux Bidet by visiting we Have Cancer Show. Forwards I'm sorry, Ralph, let me do that again. I encourage you to check out Lux Bidet by visiting we have com forward slash Lux, again that's L-U-X-E, to check out their line of bidets. And I know that if you suffer from these side effects, uh, picking up one of these will really make a drastic difference in how you feel. True Tan's transparency. Uh, first off, I would never promote a product that I myself don't use and don't enjoy. So you, you know that that's the case here. And if you make a purchase, mall small contribution does go to the We Have Cancer Show to help offset some of our costs. However, that that incentive is not passed on to you in any way. It just helps us uh, here at the wehavecancershow.com. I know You'll enjoy it. Check it out again at wefcancershowcom forward slash L-U-X-E. Let's go back to the superhero, uh, Superman conversation. And, you know, Superman's only weakness is was kryptonite, right? We judge men in our society that when you cry, that's a weakness. And you talk openly on your blog about the numerous things that move you to tears have you always been an emotional guy or is this as a result of of getting through the struggles that you've gotten through
1: so i wish i could tell you it just started but i pretty much have always been the guy that cries during hallmark commercials (laughs) uh you know even america's got talent when they ring the golden buzzer and and people I watch the golden buzzers. I like, I Google AGT golden buzzers and I watch it over and over and over again. You know what? I've always had a big heart. I've always, you know, I was raised in a family. So I have, you know, great parents. Been married. I'm 51. They've been married 52 years. I have siblings that I love and care about. My brothers are next door neighbor. We're kind of, our family is like a cross between the Waltons. You know who the Waltons are? John boy. So the Waltons meets my big fat Greek wedding and meld the two of those together (laughs) and then sprinkle Judaism on top. That's us. And so, (laughs) but we've always been a really involved family. And you know what? Emotion, crying, laughing, it's just always been a part of who I am. And so, you know, have I become more sensitive about certain things? Yes. Yes. So I've always been someone who didn't have a problem crying or tearing up, but I will tell you that I enjoy and appreciate the little things more. And I, you know, when I was first diagnosed, before I realized that I was going to survive, um, I made videos to my kids saying goodbye. And they went, and my videos went something like this. One day you're going to get married. I get choked every time I say this. One day, I mean, you're going to get married I'm not gonna be there, this is what's important. And I remember like it was yesterday, sitting on the couch in my living room and everybody was sleeping in the house and I made these videos over and over and over again because I thought if this is the last thing my daughter ever hears or my sons ever hear or my wife ever hears, I wanted to be perfect. So I would make like this five minute video to them I would stumble at the end and then I'd be like, Oh, and then start all over. And so it was like a, so I, you know, from a crying perspective, the only thing I was going to mention is that, so I've always been emotional and I've, and, but since cancer, I think about things like I want to make sure I give my kids the best advice I can give them now, or I want to create memories. I have a house, had a house in Montana that um burned down over labor day in a forest fire and I, bought, we bought the house two years ago because I wanted to create as many memories as I, as I can for as long as I possibly can. You know, God forbid, you never know what's going to happen, cancer and stuff coming back or whatever. And I hopefully that won't happen. But so I think I've become more highly attuned to emotions, to memories, to things of that nature. Was so that again a very long answer, probably to your question?
0: And a great answer, and. Over my left shoulder, I have a photo of Jim Velvano, his famous ESP speech, Don't Give Up, Don't Ever Give Up. And in that speech, I'll never forget, he talked about what makes a great day. And he says, you should laugh every day. You should spend some time in thought, and you should have your emotions move you to tears. And if you laugh, and you think, and you cry every day, that's a great day. So, I think we, you know, I think you have those moments and I have those moments. Oh my God. I don't know if it's age or cancer or both, but we were watching the next to the last episode of Schitt's Creek last night and I got tears coming out of it my happened. eyes when everybody was, you know, kind of wrapping up and, you know, and realizing their dreams. And I'm sitting there and going, you yeah, know, I own it. <laughs> I own it, you know, and more men should. More men should. It, it's healthy to, to not keep those emotions bottled up and and share them and show your vulnerabilities. Right? You know,
1: I, I think so. You know, there's a lot of people that don't, you know, ex, you know, open their emotions to their family or to their kids, and I think it's a good thing. You know, I, I'll tell my kids I love them every day, and I, you know, even the bit emojis with uh, love you and all that stuff, and, and I always and my kids always say, Dad, I know, I know you love us, you love us, because they're so used to it. And when I think that there's people that don't have that, it honestly makes me sad for those people that haven't had a father. I mean, a mother as well, but I'm speaking from a father's perspective. Someone who doesn't have a father that hugs them and tells them they love them. I think it's important.
0: I even tell my guy friends now, which is a new thing. It's not something i had done my whole life, but probably in the last 10 years or so, my my guy friends say it to them too.
1: I would agree. Right. why
0: not or why not the the thing that jumped off the page Jason as I was reading through your your site and again for folks who want to visit Jason's website you can find him at supermanhpv.com but in your blog you talked about my favorite topic music and you know song and you know music touches my soul and it sounds like it touches yours too.
1: It does. I love, the, I'm not sure what songs you're referring to, but I love the song. You know, my mom referred me to, if you're going through hell, keep on going. Like this whole song about. Ronnie
0: Ekins. Yep. <laughs> and I love
1: Andrea Bocelli. So time to say goodbye. Oh and, my God. And all of, all of his songs when I drive through the, I mean, again, this will be more than you want to hear, but when I'm driving through the mountains in Montana, listening to Andrea Bocelli and i saw I saw him actually in Tampa. I don't know if you saw him in Tampa, but I saw him in Tampa during um, Valentine's, like Valentine's Day. Day
0: yes. Wasn't it? So and then so, I saw him yeah, the year before yeah. Valentine's
1: Day in Orlando. And I took my mom one year, took my wife the other year, and my 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 kids love. I have boy girl twins that are nineteen, and and a son who's thirteen. And my and my son, my nineteen year old son, really likes him. And so yeah, you know what? I think music is just key for me. You know what it. It's probably like meditation to other people. For me, I like, I hear some words that are meaningful to me and it just takes me to a place, another place. It's almost like being on a vacation somewhere.
0: What would you, if you were to put a, th- you know, a co- co- not to ignore copyright rules, but if you could have a theme song running on your website, what would that song be?
1: So we're just saying any, any like words to, to something that would be meaningful
0: if you were to pick one song that says, this is my song, it tells my story, it touches my heart, what would that song be?
1: You know what? I'm recently loving this song, and I can't tell you the name of this singer, but the song Hallelujah, I um, I literally, I cannot think of what the guy's name is. It's like, I can't think of what the name of the song is, but he's actually singing. Cohen. Well, let me explain to you. The song I'm talking about, and I'll have to get you the name another time. I'm sorry. I could look it up on Google. but He's singing the song with his mother and they are singing hallelujah together. And her voice is phenomenal. And so is his. And you know what? That isn't a song I've talked about with anyone, just to tell you, except you right now. It's always been time to say goodbye. Like when I had my last treatment or it's been, you know, like we were talking about earlier or just all these other songs. But the song hallelujah, I think is wonderful.
0: Do you like that song? Oh my! And, and the the version that I I'm gonna say heard, but also saw because I watched the YouTube video, and I had tears in my eyes. I looked at my wife and I said, "That might be the most beautiful thing I've ever listened to." Was the acapella group Pentatonic okay. doing it? So I love them too. And oh my goodness, it just brought te- brought tears of 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 happiness and all kinds of emotions. Just just watching and listening to that but my song i think would be the duo between the country star Kenny Chesney and Dave Matthews i'm alive
1: it's terrific right
0: i'm alive right hey, Yeah, so damn easy to say let life so hard everybody's got their share of battle scars as for me i'd like to thank my lucky stars i'm alive
1: that's great yeah i would agree with you. another great there you song yeah right
0: right yeah yeah so what's next for you where where do you you you've spent a lot of time uh, and energy and resources with the head and neck cancer uh, organizations and lobbying uh, on capitol Hill where do you where where do you take your energy next Jason
1: I'm going to give you a slightly longer answer which I know that you would expect at this point so I serve <laughs> On the executive board for the head and neck cancer alliance so we have an ambassador program which has survivors like us patients caregivers sharing their stories and they have many programs to help people as well as led by great doctors and so i will continue all of my efforts in that area because it's a wonderful group from the executive director down helping people just like what we're doing here today i will continue with my superman hpv website to Share information regarding HPV, the HPV vaccine, HPV-related cancers. I always say I'm happy to go as be as public in the U.S. as possible, um, everywhere worldwide. But I specifically say the U.S. because um, I don't know if you know, but within the last few months, maybe the last six months now, but the HPV va- vaccine has now been indicated for head and neck cancer, which it wasn't. So I wasn't allowed really to do a lot regarding the vaccine here in the US because it hadn't been officially indicated up until you know the last, I think it's four months, five months. As well, one day I've thought about doing a TED Talk regarding tying in my story, but really trying to eliminate the stigma regarding HPV. And um, hopefully this doesn't, you're not going to want to cut what I'm about to say, but I applied to six different places and got turned down because it didn't fit the topic for the specific TEDx. But I, you know, one of my goals, and it's not because I want to be famous, it's because I truly want to save as many lives as possible on all seven continents. So my goal is to have my cancer story shared in as many languages as possible on all seven continents to save lives worldwide. So I think through doing a TED talk, hopefully my story and I'm, hesit- I'm hesitant to say we'll go viral because of HPV being a virus, but will will be shared worldwide and really save lives on all continents. That would be like my bigger future, if you will. Um, I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing because, again, saving one life is um, is important to me.
0: And sharing your story here, I'm honored that... Uh, this podcast has been heard worldwide, from as far as Australia. So maybe this will help a little bit get you get you a little bit you know closer.
1: Can I say one thing? Please. Oh wait, no, you go first.
0: <laughs> I was going to say TED Talk is also on my list you of could. goals too. More more around of changing the the view of how people view cancer patients because you said to me what well, before we hit recording. Uh, And it's, it's a, you didn't say it the way some people say it, but basically what you were saying to me was you were surprised looking at me when I shared that I have been battling stage four cancer for nine and a half years. And if that's how a cancer survivor views it, how do people who haven't had a experience with cancer, what's their thought of how they view people with cancer? And I want to change how people view that. You know, they, people are shocked to hear that I work out, like I have a full-time job, that kind of thing. We think stage four, one foot's on a banana peel, the other's on the grave. And so that would be my Ted
1: talk. I think that would be a great service to people. I think, I hope, I hope you do that as well. Likewise.
0: Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe I could, maybe you could, I could follow you or something. I'll follow you. I think that would be better. (laughs) Wouldn't that be cool?
1: (laughs) No, I think I was going to say, I thought we were winding down. And if we were, what I was going to say is, because Again, this would just be a comment on if someone who's listening to the podcast finds that they have a sore in their throat that's not healing or a bump on the side of their neck that isn't going away or they feel like they have a fishbone in their throat or they know something's going on, I would immediately go see the ear, nose and throat doctor because I'm hoping that, that that will be a sign there could be an issue. And therefore, they can be helped sooner than later, because that is that is key with HPV-related oropharyngeal cancer. So, tongue, throat and tonsil is early diagnosis and detection, so that it can be treated properly. Whether it's with, you know, a, I had a radical tonsillectomy, neck dissection, forty-two lymph nodes removed, um, and then seven weeks chemo, radiation, feeding tube. But whether it's early. And you still may have that treatment, but the chance of survival with this particular cancer is 85% or greater when caught early. And so I think that would be really key for someone to be able to recognize. And so I just wanted to throw that out there sooner because, you know, some guys, believe it or not, have to always be the tough guy and they don't go to the doctor. And so I always tell people I speak with, never be ashamed or embarrassed or feel uncomfortable going to the doctor sooner than later. It could save your life.
0: Yeah. If you think it's uncomfortable talking to your doctor about things, trust me, radiation and chemo is a whole lot more
1: uncomfortable. Correct. Correct. Yes. Right.
0: Jason, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for the generosity of your time and coming on and sharing your story, providing some really helpful information, new information for our audience. And again, like we've said multiple times already, if we can help raise awareness, if we can get one person to the doctor. If we can get someone's kids vaccinated who wouldn't have thought to prior to hearing this conversation, then mission
1: accomplished, right? I agree. So, Thank you so much for having me. It's very humbling to, um, <laughs> especially to be interviewed by someone like you, who is, who is a superhero to so many.
0: <laughs> You're too kind, my friend.
1: Be well. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Take
0: care. Thank you for listening to We Have Cancer. And thank you to our sponsor, the Colon Cancer Coalition, for your support. You can subscribe to We Have Cancer by visiting Apple Podcasts google podcast stitcher radio or spotify and you can find us on social media by visiting our facebook page at we have cancer show and at we have cancer pod on both instagram and twitter we have cancer is a proud supporter of genie's blue angels providing financial support to those affected by colorectal cancer